Welcome to Growth Quest, the business and personal growth podcast for those of us who actually want to make something of ourselves. The podcast of the next century where iron sharpens iron. I am your host, Mel Solomon. And ladies and gentlemen, this is episode number four. Now today I'm going to educate you guys on two topics. The first topic, how to grow your money. And the second topic, why it's important to avoid loans at all costs. You cannot grow your money if you're burdened down giving it to someone else. So how did I grow my money? And this is this is going to be real quick. I did three different things. First was a high yield savings account. Second were ETFs. And the third was stocks. And keep in mind, you're trying to beat inflation. Inflation increases at a rate of 2%, at least 2% per year. So everything that you're paying for next year will be more expensive. And a year after that, even more expensive. So you want to get ahead of that. You want to give yourself a cushion. All right. So a high yield savings account. We'll start there. What you want to do, if you find a high yield savings account, you don't want it to be the same bank that you use for your regular checkings and savings accounts. The reason why is you have a lot more access to being able to transfer to and from. So if you're not one of those people that can just sit money down and leave it there and not touch it, then you need to find a whole entirely different bank that takes three to five business days to transfer it in order for you to touch it. That way you can get lazy enough to where you're like, I'm not even going to go that, that route. Now how a AP, uh, a high yield banks, a high yield savings account works is through something called APY. If you can find a high yield savings account that allows you to have daily compounding, or monthly compounding that is even better the reason why let's say you start out with a hundred dollars in that account the next day through daily compounding you'll see a hundred dollars one cent a hundred dollars two cent and what you'll start seeing eventually is you'll get paid not only based off of your uh, what you're putting in there what you're depositing but you'll also start getting paid based off of the level of interest that you're collecting from the bank. That's called compounding. So the more you deposit, the more you'll start getting paid. Once you start seeing $101, right? $1 has been deposited into your bank account. Eventually it'll say $2 and eventually $4 will be deposited into your bank account from the bank as you're placing money yourself into there. And it's because it's compounding off of itself. This can turn into exponential money growth. The second thing that exchange traded funds, exchange, that's a lot to put together, but you get what I'm saying. Exchange, just like Armani, exchange traded funds, uh, they're, they're bought and sold just like stocks. So it's easy 
to get into and I'm gonna leave my own links for everything down below right uh, some things will give you $20 it'll tell you next to the links. some things will give you $20 to start your own ETF other ones will give you 10 free shares of stocks and other ones will give you uh, one free share of stocks I'll leave the links and trust me that you this is just free money. There's no strings attached to it. This is you're giving, you're being given money at the bottom of my video after this. And it's up to you to do what you need to do with it. Uh, but exchange traded funds being traded like stocks, but they're groups of stocks placed together. So as you experience regular ups and downs, or what they call volatility. It doesn't hit your pocket as much because just like any investment, there's a risk to it. So if you go up $5 one day and a few of those stocks that are on that ETF don't perform as high, instead of you losing that $5, you may see it go down $1.50 and then go back up the next day two more dollars after that. Even if, say, Microsoft and AMD performed horrible that day but Apple and Tesla performed wonderfully you'll still see the profit from those two uh, the thing about those as well is they're actively managed by other individuals so you don't have to sit there throughout the day and look at it and be like make sure I gotta make sure I take my profits from here and I leave 10% uh, of my shares left over you don't have to manage that portfolio so that's a good thing about ETFs and then the other one is stocks which you have to actively manage yourself to make sure that you're not losing out on your profits and not losing out on your initial investments those are the three ways that I helped myself and my wife grow our money now the biggest way I'm gonna add a fourth one is I got rid of every loan that ever held me back you do the have those people that'll say well there's good credit and there's bad credit <laughs> I don't think any credit is is good credit they'll say the bad credit is those people who are irresponsible with their money and they can't pay their money back but you have those individuals who are uh, walking around today who did everything that they are supposed to in life they got their associates they got their bachelors they got their masters they even went way ahead of everyone else and got two PhDs <laughs> right but on top of that as they're paying their mortgage and they're bringing in all of this loot from everywhere um, they may be considered to be experts in their fields so they're getting paid ten thousand dollars to go and sit on some court bench somewhere and testify according to their expertise ten thousand dollars an hour you know um as they're putting all of this money toward their mortgages and their multiple car notes and paying back their student loans etc etc something comes up that they have no foresight of now the emergency account they reach for it that depletes quickly now they're looking at their equity and they're looking at what they can sell off that all depletes now they're headed toward foreclosure now their cars are being taken back and repossessed 
There are tons of people out there who have that kind of story. Quick history lesson. And if you hear that squealing, that's my daughter. I love that girl to death, but she can sure enough mess up a podcast in the background. She's demanding. I'll tell you, that's women though, right? Really quick history lesson. It wasn't until the 1920s where we got the notion of credit cards. You fast forward to the 1950s, they finally came out with the FICO credit score, which will track you. I don't care if you have Verizon Files. You miss the payments on Verizon Files, they're going to go and tell that you missed those payments to the credit reporting agencies. They follow you everywhere. And going back to the 1920s, we all know what happened after the introduction of credit uh, of credit cards and, and buying things on credit that people really didn't need. It led to the Great Depression. Same thing happened under uh, Bush with the, the housing. Credit can destroy not only a person, but entire economies if it's not done right. So I'm going to use the example here. If you buy a house at $100,000, right? If you take out a $100,000 loan at 6% interest and you sell that house at the 20 years, right? At the 20 year mark, how much did you earn on that house if you, if you sold it for $150,000? If you said $50,000, uh, did you take into consideration how much interest you would have had to pay over that 20 year time period? 240 payments equals $171,943. Now, what people who love the idea of credit will tell you is, oh, you just have to pay more up front and then you, you pay more monthly and that way you pay less interest in the long run and that's how you're winning, right? But we spoke about a little bit how banks work. And I think this is, they're like the biggest scams ever invented, but that's business, right? That's Or that's their business. You can't be mad at them for running a business that should work for both the customer and for the, um, well, y'all are each other's customers, really, but I'm sure you're, you're following what I'm saying. So inherently, what banks are doing is they're making an investment into individual people with the hopes that that investment will have really good returns, uh, profitable returns. Again, that's where that, that APR comes from. They make their money based off of people taking out loans. Now I'm going to tell you a really quick story of mine. In 2018, I had a vehicle that was completely paid off. I made the mistake of allowing somebody, trying to do somebody a favor, to take that vehicle across state lines. That vehicle was then stolen from that person that I allowed to take the vehicle. They uh, file police reports. I file it, or uh, I call up my insurance company, uh, file or uh, send them the police report. It's been stolen. They tell me if we find it, we'll take it back. Um, if for whatever reason at this point in time we can't find it, we'll give you this amount of money. 
the same time my AC goes out. The AC goes out. Now I have to say, do I want to take, um, do I want to pay the AC off and, and get it repaired or get it replaced rather? Or do I want to use this as collateral for my own vehicle? Because of what was going on in my life at the time, I had to change out the AC. I had to replace that AC. So now I'm sitting in front of this lady. And I'm saying I have to take out a loan. I don't have a down payment. Um, I'm not at that point in my life right now. And I need to leave off this lot with something. You never go to a table for a monetary deal without any kind of heavy hitting collateral. Because at the end of the day, the entire financial discussion will be held over your head. First of all, you want to think about these questions when it comes to uh, avoiding loans. If you don't have collateral, can you get the collateral? Uh, do you have time to collect that collateral? And what's stopping you from collecting it? And once you have the collateral, then you need to weigh your options. Obviously, I was in a really uh, sticky situation where I had to go ahead and do it. And I'm not stupid. Like I know there's going to be emergency situations where you might have to go ahead and do it. But collecting that, uh, collecting the collateral was not an option at that point in time. Because how long can uh, I have friends drive me back and forth to work? How long can I call up friends and say, hey, can you take me food shopping? Before I start becoming a hindrance to them. Right? So once you do have the collateral, say you are able to wait two months. You are able to somehow miraculously get $8,000 of your own money. Do you want to go to a dealership and drop that $8,000 down payment? And then you have another 72 month loan on a $25,000 car that wasn't 25, it was sticker price $25,000. But once you think of taxes, titles, dealership fees, et cetera, et cetera, now it's up to $28,000, $29,000, maybe even 30. Who knows, depending on the state and uh, the fees and the taxes and everything that have to be collected. Now at the end of the day, you're taking out even bigger of a loan right uh do you want to go find a private seller where you can take your eight thousand dollars pay for a car that has no issues with it whatsoever you spoke to the owner of that vehicle you might have been able to have that car looked over and the mechanic tells you there's no problems or if you find little minor problems that they say oh the brakes need to be fixed that's seven hundred dollars you have $8,000. Take that $700 off of it right then and there. Brakes are fixed. Nothing else is wrong with the car, right? So if you go to a dealership and you end up buying a used car, what's the difference? The difference is once you leave from that person's driveway, you own that vehicle outright. So what did I do uh, with the, the money that I now have that's free from any loans because I used a private seller when I got this uh, second vehicle. What did I do with the money that should have been going 
to a car lot. I used it <laughs> to start my own small business. My wife and I run our own small business. And once you have that free and positive cash flow in your income and it's not tied up into anyone else, you have the ability to do things like that. So unless it's an extreme, extreme emergency, avoid any kinds of loans at all costs. So you can find me at Real Mel Solomon on Instagram or also on Parlor as just Mel Solomon. Uh, if you like what you heard, please like, share, and subscribe. Speak to other people on this topic. If you want somebody that's going to dive deeper into some of the things that I've spoken about, Scotty Kilmer is great when it comes to talking about buying used vehicles and uh, what to look for. Dave Ramsey is excellent when it comes to talking about finances. Last thing I need to mention is budgeting. Budgeting is an extremely important part of all of this. Budget, budget, budget. I'll even talk about budget and budgeting in a later episode. Um, also, I'm going to include in the links below somebody who helps with um, cleaning up your, your credit scores by challenging any kind of negative things that you have on there. I haven't dealt with this person myself, so I would suggest that you speak to them, decide whether you... Uh, like what they have to say and go with it or you decide you don't like what they have to say and you don't go with it but the option is there on the table as well until next time mel solomon and i'm out <laughs>